Greetings, everyone, and welcome to WriteBrain, a podcast about writing and crowdfunded publishing. Hello, and welcome to WriteBrain. It's, uh, it's me and Paul Inman's little podcast about crowdfunded publishing and books that are currently funding on Inkshares and just talking about writing and publishing in general. Paul, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I kind of feel like um, we're recording uh, an episode on uh, Saturday Night Live, you know, where they're, they're on the public radio. I'm doing great, JF. How are you? Did you ever uh, see that? Oh, yeah. yeah sweaty yeah. balls. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I don't know if that's the kind of language we want to use on our esteemed program, but. Oh, you are correct. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, how's things going? I'm, Has I'm it been good. a good new year? Good new year it's, so far? The new year's been, it's been all right. It's been it's been productive. I've been doing a lot of uh, hobbying and writing stuff, so it's been fun. How about you? Uh, fun so with the far, family because you, oh, you have yeah. you have family. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. We had a good time. Uh, mo- mostly though, last couple of days I've just been back to work. That's always hard going back to work, but you know, um, I saw a great post on Twitter a couple days ago, and it said everybody's upset about Monday. But really, that's just one day closer to Friday. So I was like, yeah, I could get on board with that attitude, at least for a few few days until I'm like, ah, work, I hate it, you know, even though that never really happens too much. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't I don't think I could uh, those those kind of meme type uh, feel good about yourself photos like, oh, Monday's only one day closer to Friday. And it's it's written in script on the front of a picture of a sunset or some stuff <laughs> those, those i they're they're not my thing they're, well they're not, you know they're my jam they're not they're not usually my thing i mean i see them and stuff but this one i was like yeah yeah and that's not normal so hey whatever whatever all i can you know all i can say is that it is now even closer to friday as we record this podcast um today uh well How's the uh, how's the book going? I know you finished it up. Have you heard anything else? Is it ha- has it been sent off? Um, uh, the life engineered has it been? Uh, I, I mean, are you still it, antsy? It, like, are you got that feeling in your stomach? You're like that little anxiety. Oh, that's kind of like gotten into a different gear. Yeah, it's it's still there and still annoying, but it's it's changed now. Now I'm, I'm realizing that I need to start pushing it and I need to start thinking about organizing a launch party. And there's there's a lot of things that I need to do, which is good because these are things that are going to keep me busy. And the busier I am, the less I fret about these kind of things. Oh yeah. So but Idle hands, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So in, in in a way it's a good thing and in another way it's a bad thing because I'm I'm not good at organizing these things. I, I need to probably try to get in touch with like the local newspapers and try to get like some kind of media attention. And th- this is the kind of stuff that I am not super good at. And it's also the kind of thing that I'm starting to realize. I've, I, as a guy who works marketing, I've had to work with people that are in public relations a lot. And how can I say there, there There's always been this sort of a, this sort of impression that. PR is borderline useless. Um, I mean, they, they write uh, 
the, the, the they'll write press releases and they'll they'll do some valuable work but it's hard to imagine what makes pr its own thing compared to say marketing and the more i'm working on this book the closer i get to the release of the life engineered the more i'm realizing that public relations is as different from marketing in its own thing as marketing is say different from sales it feels like all these things could be put in the same basket and right. you could label that pat that basket customer relationships so but, they're like i was just gonna say they're like branches on the same tree maybe no, yeah not in, even like in, that? In, not even like they're they're basically they serve different person basically the, the only common trait is really that they are affecting customer relationships but the different tools they use, the different goals they have, and the different means that they need to take to achieve those goals makes them very, very different. And obviously, each of them feeds on each other to be able to, to, do, to do its job properly. But at the same time, it's, they're, they're, they're sufficiently different as to make me now sort of appreciate them better. Okay, And the sense. idea of having someone do my PR and why authors and, uh, and, and, uh, and actors and celebrities have PR people is, is a lot clearer in my mind now. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, so ha- speaking of marketing, um, have you heard anything from Inkshares uh, recently? Because I know that about a week ago when we got together and recorded, you had not, uh, well, I mean, you definitely gave us a, a big bombshell with the, the new cover over the past few weeks and um, you got to read um, your blurb. Any mm-hmm. any other news? Anything else? I unfortunately no. I do not have any. I have some stuff that's in the works, but I have this kind of policy that until something is rather significantly official, I try right. not to hint about things too much because it, if things fall through or don't happen the way I want them to or change, then I have to like bring in a retraction. Like I'd rather know for sure that something's happening, announce it that way and then move on. Like, well, that, be, that makes a lot of sense. With it. That makes a lot of sense. Um, as far as uh, ageless is going, guess what I did? I forgot. I forgot something and it was just a plain mistake on my end. I forgot to send in a photo for the um, back cover, a photo of myself. So, and I, I yeah, I actually remembered before they asked me and I emailed and I said, I'm not sure, but I feel like I might've forgotten to give you this. And so I was like, this is the photo that I'd like to use. And I was like, and if I sent you another photo, let's just disregard that one <laughs> if we can. And I was like, I don't know, maybe I didn't forget, but I was sitting there. I was just sitting in my, um, on my couch talking to my wife and I was like, wait a minute. I think I think I need I think I need a photo. She's like, "What are you even talking about?" <laughs> you know, and I'm like, um, "I think I need a photo for my book." And you know, when you're uh, in, in this stage, everything that I've talked about is like my book. And she just kind of looks at me and rolls her eyes. I mean, she loves me and she's excited, but she's like, "Okay, I've been hearing about this book forever," <laughs> because uh, uh, I um, came across a, a photo. Um, which said it was it's been two years since I actually finished the first draft, and that was just a couple of days. I ago. Saw that on Facebook. You showed yeah. that off. I did. I was I was like, man, I can't believe it's been two years already since I finished the first draft. So, and, and it's weird to me that it's going to be reality in just a few short months, about four months actually. So, um, I sent my photo in, and uh, um, the production editor 
Devin is her name. She was like, awesome. And I was like, yep, if I missed anything else, please tell me because I need to know. Apparently, I just don't have any idea. So what do you do, right? Yeah, no, I understand. And one of the things that I've been doing is almost for every step, I'm sort of building a checklist. And actually, that's, that's something I started doing after my very first meeting with Inkshare is... I always keep on my phone a, a list of the responsibilities they gave they give me so that I tend to not have too many things fall through. And that's I need that to sort of stay sane because otherwise I would I would totally forget things like photos and, and stuff like that. And that well, me would, too. I, I don't know how that one slipped by because I remember specifically when we were um when I was doing that um oh what was it, the questionnaire thing. Where mm-hmm. it, the marketing questionnaire where it said it needed a photo, I was like, okay, I got a good one. I know which one I'm going to choose, and it's the one I sent in anyway. Um, and I was like, if I sent you a different one, just disregard because I was like, I can't remember, you know. So maybe I sent it already, but I sent it again. So whatever. <laughs> well, fortunately, I, I only have one photo that's even remotely decent, and it's not that good, but it's the best I can do. And look, it. The technology to make me look good hasn't been invented yet, so they'll have to deal with what they've got. <laughs> Don't say that, JF. I'm sure you are a lady killer. Mm, I mean, I can see nothing, you. I mean, <laughs> nothing's been proven yet. <laughs> well, hey, jury's you know. still out on that one. Um, I've noticed that you've started doing something interesting on Facebook and Twitter and social media in general. You've been posting quotes from Ageless, and I find that yes. intriguing. What, yes. what brought this on? And okay, I'm, I'm going to copy that, obviously, because I find I think it's a cool idea. Um, well, I'll tell you, uh, in all honesty, um, we last week when we were um, recording, you started talking about what, like, think you said, think about some things that you could do marketing wise. And um, that's kind of where my mind went, because I've seen that from other things with, from other people before. Like, so I was like, hmm, I want to try this. Um, but you know what? I'll save the rest of that story for later because we're going to get into that. That's kind of our topic for today. So, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <clears throat> but um, you, I'm going to keep doing it. So, if you're not following me on Twitter or um, Facebook or whatever social media, then uh, Paul at Paul Inman SC is Instagram and um, Twitter, which I've been posting those pretty much daily, and Facebook. Um, you can look for Ageless by Paul Inman, and I've been posting them a little less, I mean, a little more sporadically in there, but um, I think that I got most of all of the same ones there. So, uh, But it's really pretty neat. And then a little later, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it a little more. So um, as far as uh, things um, for Ageless are concerned, we're um, I'm just kind of in a holding pattern right now. And then it's uh, today, it's early January still. It's January 5th. And... Um, Around the middle of the month, um, I'll be getting my back cover design, my um, my spine and back cover design. So, I mean, I'm interested to check cool. that out and talk about it here on the podcast. So, uh, I'm eager to see it. I, I am also eager to see it. Um, when? How did that work for you? I wanted to ask you that because you know, obviously, you've already went through that step. Well, it's I say it's it's not something that is ground shaking. It's cool when it happens because they'll send you a essentially they'll send you a PDF where you have the front cover, a front cover, back, uh, spine, and back cover mm-hmm. all laid out flat, and you get you, you on the back cover you'll have your your book synopsis and all all the uh, the trappings that you don't normally see on a on a back cover. Um, Otherwise, I mean, the, when I saw it, I just had some comments about how long, because my synopsis is just, 
huge. So we had to look at maybe like making it fit a bit better to give some room for, for book blurbs and stuff like that. Cool. But otherwise it's, it's a, it's a very, very cool, but small milestone. Like it's, it's very much a checkbox well, situation for you. Like you, yeah. you're, you look at it, you go, oh, yeah, it looks fine. Move on. <laughs> well, um, hopefully that's the way it'll be. And I'll be like, yes, I love it. So, um, and I'm sure I will love it. That's not the issue. It's just, um, I'm picky. I mean, I'm sure you're picky too, but I'm really picky. And I started like with the front cover, for example, I'm like, okay, this needs to change. It looks good, but I mean, let's, let's add to it or let's, let's modify it. Let's do this. And then I had 11 revisions when they were like, try to get it in in three. And I was like, ah, okay, I'll try, <laughs> you know, so I'm a little, I, I feel a little bit anxious about that because I don't want to go through that again, because, you know, for their sake, because I want them to, you know, be like, here it is. It's, it's also for your sake, because look, you got to look at it uh, at project management in, in a certain way, mm-hmm. where every time you put resources into one cylinder, you're taking them away from another cylinder, right? In the sense that, Inkshare and Girl Friday are obviously they want to invest as much as possible in your book, but there is an upper limit to how much they can put. You're right. And if you're if you're I say if you're taking resources for something that might be a bit nitpicky, it may make you feel better about your back cover, but at the same time, think down the line where that resource is coming from. Are they right. going to be? Are they taking a week off of say? promoting the book or are they taking some time off from being able to uh, to get you in touch with an important media person later down the line so and there's the other aspect some as someone who works in marketing and design myself you also have to to sort of uh, and I'm not saying that about you specifically I'm talking just in general like if you're working with designers and you're working for people who do layout for a living you have to understand that there's a good chance that they have a good understanding of what they're they're doing, where they're going. And obviously there might be some changes, but at a certain point, this, this is where you need to make the call. Like, okay, do I want my designer to be spending another week and pushing everything back a week so I can get something that is subjectively better for me? Or it's, 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 it's a hard and long discussion to have. And something that I, it's a discussion I have very frequently with clients where I need, I sometimes need to sit them down because they're paying me by the hour and I need to sit them down and say, look, I don't mind doing changes, but you gotta, you gotta make sure that these changes are changes that are objective in nature and not subjective in nature. Do right. you want this because you think it is going to make you feel better? Or do you want this because it's going to make your product better? And if you're paying me to do objective changes, this is awesome because that will probably come back to you in some way or form later on. If you're asking me to tweak the color from one turquoise to a bluer turquoise because it'll make you feel better, I'm cool with doing that again, but that is money you're not seeing back, either in product sales or efficiency or whatever. So it's it's you you got to keep all that in mind when working oh, yeah. with your production team. Oh yeah, and you know what? That's great advice. In in all honesty, it really is because as I look, as you say that, and I look back, I don't think I had any turquoise to a, a different shade of blue moments. But I'm sure that on the other end, it may have felt like that. I mean, most of the changes that uh, that I suggested were um, 
pretty, in my opinion, I guess, again, pretty kind of substantial kind of ob- objective changes. But then I put, I also, <clears throat> excuse me, I also um, put it out there for my uh, readers to, my backers to to vote on too. So, and then I took took their, um, uh, most of their advice, you know, it was, that was a kind of a neat, I, I thought that was a neat part of the process. If you wanted to do something like that, for those of you that have a book going into production in the future or whatever, I would maybe suggest that. Like, I, I think it's kind of cool. They put in the the money for you to, uh, you know, be able to reach this kind of like milestone or dream or, or stepping stone or whatever it might be for you. And, uh, you know, letting them have a little bit of a say, um, I thought was really cool. And I, I had a lot of people kind of uh, voting and uh, they, they felt they were appreciative of that. You know, they were. They uh, were were really responsive and kind and and honest and that's that's the the best part about it I think because I asked some specific questions and uh, you know which is cool I thought yeah it's it's a bit the same phenomenon as uh, as using better readers I'll yeah, be a bit of a exactly. devil's advocate because in one way as someone who loves new media and I love social media marketing what what you're doing the basically getting your your audience involved is actually very very good. However, at the same time, it is, it's also in a way very, very bad. Um, okay. Because again, it, again, we fall into kind of the subjective objective, but with the added caveat that your audience is purely objective, it c- can't even be objective. Yeah. You're- Any judgment that they bring will be entirely subjective because it's all based on taste. They can't say, oh no, this, like, there's this cool hint to uh, an aspect of the story in your cover that I really like because they haven't read your story in general. So they right. can't, they can't spot, spot those subtleties and they can't comment on those. And to speak to the, uh, the idea that they, I mean, they, they helped put the book in production, be that as it may, it does not make them expert or knowledgeable enough about the subject matter or the process to have, um, I would say to have coherent input. Now I say that and sounds super mean of me. <laughs> However, I mean, at the same time I do use better readers and I love my better readers and I, I will always use better readers. And when I did get my cover designs and the illustration, I did send it to people to get their opinions. So, and th- this is where this gives you the the writer more work is if you're asking people for their opinions on cover design, better readings, whatever you're getting input on, it's your job to pass that through the knowledge filter because you you want to have you you want to have your cake and eat, eat it too. You want that community outreach. You want that that back and forth with your readers, and you want their opinion. You want them to be excited about the book. So. I mean, having your readers like the cover is part of that. But like I said, you need to pass that information through the filter of what you know as the writer before you know it gets applied. Uh, and in you my know opinion, what? In my no, opinion. I totally agree. And in fact, uh, that's exactly what I did. Like, um, I uh, suspected as much. Oh yeah, that's exactly what I did. You know, I took all that input, and you know, I made sure that it's something that I thought would be. Um, the correct input. And I, you know, I made that clear is like, this is for informational purposes only. Um, it may not have any effect. I just want, uh, you know, I was curious, um, especially for something like the cover because it's, it's such a visual thing. And I just wanted to try to get some opinions 
um, of, of how people felt about the direction it was going. Because, you know, I don't know if, if uh, those of you listening know this, but, you know, our, um, our, uh, as a writer, our, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Our, our self-confidence <laughs> sometimes cannot is not super high because you know you put yourself on the line through all this. So uh, it, and it's really tough and it's really like a well you know like you have the anxiety now uh, sort of about the book. It's kind of there and it's going to be what it is at this point, you know. And that's that's a scary thing. Anytime you create anything, it's a really like. It's really like expose, you know, you're really like exposing yourself, uh, you know, to every, you know, every opinion, good, bad, indifferent, all of it. And and it's it's a difficult thing to have someone judge something that you've worked so hard on and you spent so much time. Like I said, my first draft was done two years ago, but it took me almost three years to write the draft, you know. So we're looking at five years of my life that I've been working with this story, which is crazy when I put it like that. But <laughs> so, um, I mean... It's difficult, and I just kind of wanted to, you know, get some feelers out there and see what people kind of thought, you know. Um, with yeah, that no, said, I did use a lot of the opinions because I thought that they were good opinions, you know, and I thought that they came that they um, understood where I was trying to go. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? No, absolutely, absolutely. Like I said, like I, I, I understand both both sides of this, and so do I. I, I would personally. No, I, I I like the idea of using people's opinions. I, I, it's just to be careful not to use them, not not to get carried away with their opinion. Oh no, no, no! I only did like, that if someone once. says, <laughs> "Well, twice, I guess technically." My first time that the very first ideas of the book, I did send a tweet out to about four or five people, including you, um, that said, mm-hmm. "Hey, which one of these are you really feeling, or do you like, or do you not like, or because I do, I kind of, you know, I." I, I personally kind of thrive on this kind of like, you know, um, teamwork kind of thing. So when it comes down to me personally making a choice, I can do it, obviously. But I like to get information from people that I think that, you know, are relatively intelligent people and, you know, who have to deal with these same sort of things. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, it helped, it, it helped me. Even though, like, immediately I was like, well, your opinion is terrible. So, JF, I don't want to talk to you anymore. And now we're doing this podcast. <laughs> well, fine. Then I'll keep my opinion about the uh, book I selected this week to myself. No, don't do that. Go ahead. What What do you got for us? Um, We're back to sci-fi. Yeah, I think we're back to sci-fi. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm back to sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back to sci-fi. You can do whatever you want. So... We're we're having a bit uh, of difficulty picking books. I just want to point that out because there is, and if you haven't checked them out, I completely urge all, all our listeners to do so. There's currently another writing contest happening on Inkshares for the Sword and Laser Collection. It's the second, second such contest, and they'll be picking the uh, top three will get the full Inkshares publishing run, and they'll be selecting one of those three books uh, to be added to the Sword and Laser Collection. So... Very, very good uh, idea to go check that out because there's some really cool en- entries. But it's, it's making us, it it's, difficult for us. Yeah. yeah, because we don't want to come off as championing any book over the other that's included in the contest. So we're trying, we're doing our best to select books that are not in the contest. So that's limiting us tremendously. However, I did have a list of cool books that, well, it's, it's not. A very difficult list is 
what I pre-ordered. So I, I looked at I, I looked at books and what I pre-ordered until I found a sci-fi book that I remembered looked very cool. And that book is Mechcraft by Brian Fitzpatrick. And it is a cool uh, sci-fi book about nanotechnology. Just a quick blurb for it is, a teen with a dark, a dark secret in his DNA, fringe nanotechnology unleashed, shadow government factions, a sinister enemy, and the struggle for godlike, godlike power. The uh, Hollywood pitch, I guess, is The Matrix meets Harry Potter in, the fast, in this fast-paced sci-fi thriller. And all of that kind of appeals to me. <laughs> yeah, it sounds really interesting. I, I remember reading this one. Was this in uh, the I believe that was Nerdist? in the Nerdist. Yeah, I, think I think it was it in was, the Nerdist yeah. contest. I think it was. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely still has a plenty of time left to fund if you um, are interested in in uh, checking it out. Definitely do that. And it's um not doing not doing bad. 104 pre-orders. That's good. 104 is 87 days. It only needs uh, it needs less than 150 books to get the quill into the quill collection, uh, which I, I believe it definitely deserves to at least be there. It's it's a cool. I'm look. I'm I'm all into robots. Anybody that knows anything about mm-hmm. my interest in science fiction knows that I have I have a thing for robots. A thing, uh, and and nanotechnology is essentially just really, really, really small robots. So obviously, I'm very interested in this. And there, there's there's a, a bit of a a young adult sort of feel to the description in the book. Uh, maybe that comes from like the idea of uh, of the whole Harry Potter and the young character. So. And usually I'm not super huge into young adult, but at the same time, if we're looking at what sci-fi young adult literature has brought us so far, it's all a very similar formula of, oh, there's a dystopian society and, oh, there's these young people and they overthrow the you know evil government. And I like Sounds the familiar. idea... Yes. Well, everybody wants to be the next Hunger Games. So oh, yeah. Just, and I mean, there, there's there's two ways of being the next big thing. You either copy what the next big thing did and hope to achieve 80% of their success or something, yeah. or you do something completely new and you can do 110% of their success. And I am more of the kind of guy who will appreciate someone who will bring something new to the table. And that's what I feel that Metcraft is trying to do. So I can I can read a bit more description if you want. Yeah, do it, definitely. So Metcraft is a story of Jake, a teen whose ideal life is thrown into chaos when he discovers his ability to control a swarm of nanobots and must use his power to turn the tables on the powerful factions that want to either control or destroy him. It's the visual intensity of the Matrix meets the wonder of Harry Potter. So, I mean, this is something that I think a lot of... Uh, sci-fi authors that want to break into the genre might have at least toyed around with the idea. It's like, oh man, I wish I could write the uh the the the, the Harry Potter of science fiction. Yeah. So that's actually pretty cool. Pretty good idea. It's it it is, but I don't know for some reason we haven't seen it pop out yet. So there there's clearly a difficulty, like a barrier somewhere to having this kind of uh wonderkind sci-fi hero instead of uh, instead of the, the the wizard equivalent. Um, and this could be your, this could be the one, boys and girls. This could be the one. You can make it, it happen. 
So to continue the description, the nanotechnology in the story is unlike anything else. The nanos are within the DNA of the wielder, summoned out through the pores by mental command to form any shape, weapon, machine, the mech crafter as the skill to kill, to, to create. So think uh, Terminator 2's liquid men- metal visually. Hmm. The art of mastering these nanobots is mech craft. So title of the book. Oh yeah. It's, um, it's an interesting premise I, I, I wish the synopsis has a bit more about like the uh, clear, clearly, uh, I say clearly Brian is a very visual writer because he, he seems very insistent on sharing what his vision for the, the, the visuals of what he sees for the books is. I wish I knew more, a bit more about the story, but then again, knowing too much sometimes is oh yeah difficult. Uh, well, so, you know, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so I was just gonna just gonna point out that Brian Brian isn't a uh, he, he he's not a noob like I am uh, at writing. That's exactly where uh, I was he, going. <laughs> he's actually he's actually won some awards. He was a quarter finalist for the 2015 Page International Screenwriting Awards and quarter finalist for 2014 Final Draft Inc. Big Break Contest. So. Um, well, okay. Look, let's not sell ourselves too short. We did, we did win the sword and laser contest to 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 various degrees. So, I mean, we're we're not completely without merit, but at the same time, it, Brian is also not like a new and fresh and uh, wet behind the ears when it comes to science fiction. No, no. I mean, he. I mean, clearly, he's he's uh, you know he's won some some stuff for well, you know. I don't know how to quarterfinal. He's 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 done well. That's what I'm trying to say. He's done well um, for his writing. I mean, that's pretty good. And uh, he's a uh, obviously he's a screenwriter. So, I mean, he has he and has Inch, a little Inch bit Harris more. Has a history of having uh, good screenwriters write good books. Yeah. By history, <laughs> I mean Gary Whitta. Yeah, exactly. So, and you know the the thing is, uh, he maybe he wants to try you know, to become a novelist. I mean, right now, maybe screenwriting is this day job and I'm totally just, um, you know, imagining things for Brian, you know, maybe Brian gets up every morning and he sits at his computer with a sad face, writing screenplays, you know what I'm saying? Having someone else dictate kind of how he needs to write them. So it's just like every job, you know what I mean? <laughs> so maybe he wants a creative outlet by being a novelist. And Brian, if any of that is right, then you're welcome. And if it's all wrong, then I'm sorry. So, uh, <laughs> I am just rambling now. So JF, interrupt me anytime that you feel like it. I, I usually do. I usually do. <laughs> I usually don't actually. I just kind of let you go and see what happens. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, I, so, so, so yeah, it's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this book actually, because nanotechnology is one of those things that I've tiptoed around as far, like even when I was writing the life engineered, I didn't touch nanotech because it can it's one of those technologies that is very very powerful very versatile and it's it's kind of got the superman syndrome when it comes to writing stories for it in the sense that you need to be a really good writer 
to write a Superman story because Superman can do anything. And if you can do anything, you can't give him any challenges. And if you don't have challenges for your heroes, you have a very boring story. And it's the same thing for nanotech because nanotech can do anything. And if you can do anything, you don't have challenges, no challenges, no stories. So that's why I've, I personally stayed away from nanotechnology in my, in the life engineered, because I don't think I have the, um, I don't have the writing dexterity necessary yet to work that kind, that level of powers into one of my stories. And I'm very eager to see how Brian made it work. Well, um, I think that uh, he probably, well, I think his biggest challenge probably, I would have, in my mind, this is already a series, but my, uh, what I see is he's going to have his main character. Um, the challenge is going to be just mastering how to use this, uh, what does he, what does he call it? Mech, uh, a mech crafter. Yeah. But he calls the a character a becoming a mech crafter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, I think, uh, that's going to be where his challenge is in this, in this particular story. And then I think from there, in my mind, I'm building your world for you, Brian. I'm just giving you all this stuff. I, I mean, I really shouldn't. I keep it to my, I should keep it to myself, but no, I'm just kidding. So, uh, the next story would have a bigger challenge. And like, like um, he says up here, it's the struggle for godlike power. Well, what happens when people get godlike power? It corrupts, right? You know, so that could be, he could have an interesting, um, an interesting line of story, I guess. <laughs> I don't know, for lack of a better word. Write your own books, Paul. I will do that. That's why there's no nanotech in my book. For him now. That's why there's no nanotech in my book because I don't even I don't even know where to begin. But I do know where to I do know where to end this particular segment. So, um, eighty seven days, hundred and four is where he's currently sitting. Help him get there, Metcraft. I want to read and find out how terrible I just botched all of that mess um, that I just said. I want to know what happens here because it looks like a very interesting book. Sounds like a very interesting book. Um, so what 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 did you uh, what did you pick out? Well, for this as week? as you mentioned, we're having. Um, well, I hate I hate to preface it like this, but um, having a little trouble picking some books. So I I I went back to our um, uh, the original Sword and Laser, you know contest and i uh was like well you know what we haven't done this particular book yet so i pulled this one out of there this is called practical applications for multiverse theory and it's by nick scott and noah gavin and um they were one of the top five in the uh the contest or six i should say top six in the contest their book and uh if you have not had a chance to check this out you should really you should really check it out because honestly uh, it'll be coming out very pretty soon. This one is already a, a funded book, and it publishes in April, the same month as The Life Engineered. And mm-hmm. um, if you don't know anything about it, I'll, I'll read a little bit of it for you. Wait, it's, no, no. A- April no, is no. a month after The Life Engineered. Oh, are you March? La- the Life Engineered is March 1st. Oh, my gosh. I don't know why I was thinking it's April. so first. close, man. Dude, that is really close. Well, that's good, because I was thinking April. So that's one month I get it earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, imagine um, this little, the little blurb here at the top or the little uh, s- short synopsis. Imagine the hell of a high school group project. Now complete that project project across endless universes. And, you know, I really enjoy 
the multiverse theory for real. I'm like, this is this is intriguing to me. So when I first pre-ordered this book, I was like, yeah, that is awesome. And I actually pre-ordered during the contest this particular book, I think. It's been so long now, I don't remember. But I feel like I did because I was like, yeah, I like this one. Sounds cool. Um, so uh, n- Nick and Noah Gavin, th- this is a... Uh, is this our first book that we've done where where we've had a uh, pair of writers on the same book? I think so. And this this is something I wouldn't even know where to begin to do collaborative work like that. Yeah. Well, uh, my my buddy and I are are working on um the uh Motor City Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Um and it, it is tough. Uh we've tried a couple of different things, but really what we did in the beginning and I would assume that that they did something similar. We just sat down and we mapped out the story. You know, we just wrote like a, a an outline pretty much or well, I guess we just uh sat down and talked it talked it through and then we were like, okay, maybe we should write some of this down. We started writing an outline and it originally started as like a comic book. So once we figured out that we both can't draw anything but stick figures, we were like, yeah, comic book's not going to work. So um, we started mapping out our story ideas, and it ended up turning into what w- will eventually be, hopefully, a uh, six-book like six book series, but we're talking like novellas. You know what I mean? So the first one is on Inkshares. If, you got, if any of you listening have not looked at it, look it up. It's um, uh, Motor City Chronicles, book one, Transgressions. But anyway, back to this. Um, I would imagine that that's how that they did it by uh, starting out together and just coming up with ideas. But then it gets hard because as we sat down and we started writing, uh, my friend and I uh, started writing, it became like, okay, do I write a chapter and then you write a chapter? Or do we Skype? Because he doesn't live here with me um, anymore. He moved away. Um, do we Skype and write a chapter together? Or do you know you you type out some dialogue that you think would be cool, and then I'll read it, and I'll add in some of my own, et cetera. It's it's tough. I don't know. I don't know what what you would do. Um, let's talk. Uh, or I'll I'll read a little bit more about it, uh, which is kind of interesting. Um, well, I'll just read it. Practical applications for multiverse theory: a science fiction horror comedy. Scott's teacher is a robot. She wasn't always like this. Midway through the class, Scott began uh, between Scott looking from the board to his paper and back again, she transformed into a murder bot designed to kill Scott. Davy watches the janitor turn into a sloth, a sloth who wears a cowboy hat and chaps that read slow ride. She sees the janitor blink in and out of humanoid to a cowboy sloth again and again. Things aren't going well. Something's gone wrong. Things that shouldn't be in this universe are sliding in and out, are sliding in and taking root here. People who should be here are gone, transformed into something else. Some are dying. Some are on fire. Some can unhinge their jaws and absorb their crushes via their tooth-lined throats. Scott and Davy are the only ones who are aware of this, who can see it happening. They're the only ones who can do anything about this apparently. They're only armed with school supplies and a deep-seated hatred of one another. Should be fun. So, I mean, that's kind of kind of what we're looking at here. And I, I like the idea of the universes are kind of overlapping. You know what I mean? I think that's an interesting concept. Here's a weird thing. And I'm sorry if I was quiet for a while. I was having some technical difficulty no, on my no end. Worries. But the... Um, 
the, the description, and I really don't want this to sound 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 mean, but I was reading the description the first time, and it was, okay, that's that sounds all right. That sounds all right. All right, two guys, and all right, they're stuck in this together, and it's that they hate each other thing that made me go, oh wait, yes. this re it reframed everything I had read from being okay to being oh now this is this has become awesome. Yeah. Because so, there, there's this twist. There's this this conflict. It's not just two people working together from the first t- from the first moment, but two people actually having to probably either overcome uh, their hatred for each other or just beat the other. Well, a little bit further down, and actually, this is kind of a, a little bit more about a like about the book where that was kind of like you know, here's, here's a few paragraphs, not actually from the writing of the book, but maybe like less synopsis. This is more of like a synopsis here. It says, um, practical application for multiverse theory is a science fiction horror comedy for young adults. Another young adult story, mm-hmm. which is okay because y- young adult is, is hot right now. Like if, if I were, if I were writing for market and if I were smart, I would write for market. I would totally go for young adult. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so anyway, the story is told from a dual perspective, trading back and forth between two main characters, Scott and Davey. See, I'm on board with that because there's a lot of like, I hesitate to use the term shifting, but perspective change, I guess, shifting in, in ageless. Okay. So there's a, you know, you're getting, uh, I, I, I feel like it's more of a third person, but whatever. Um, Scott and Davey are two students who don't know one another well and are pushed together to help conquer a major problem in their lives. All universes in existence are collapsing in on theirs, centered exclusively in their school. And then here it is again. They don't like each other. They don't want to like each other, but to survive, they have no choice. So um, I'm pretty excited actually about this, and I'm happy that I pre-ordered this early and I got in um, as early as I possibly could. At least I feel like I did. This was one of the books that I did pre-order, unlike this other book, the life engineered. I mean, so <laughs> I'm just kidding. Of course, I've pre-ordered your book. I mean, I have to read it. Unless you know what I'm going to do when you're when the life engineers comes out. I'm just not going to read it every week. You're going to ask me about it. I'm going to go. I haven't read it yet. Oh no, I had to put it off. I have this other thing. Yeah, yeah that's that's my plan for ageless. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's a good plan. I like I like your style. So um, this is. It seems like a really interesting book, and uh, like you said that. Um, that little twistiness there where they don't like each other. So it's, they're having to overcome not only multiple universes crashing into each other, but they also have to overcome their extreme dislike for each other, which is going to make I an like, intriguing story. Yeah. And I like to assume that they might not overcome that. They hatred. might not. They, there might be like, there might be a twist of that. And that's what makes it interesting. It's not, not knowing. Well, they're saving that for the sequel practical Maybe. applications for, um, multiverse theory part two. no, Part two, yeah. Um, wait, wait, wait. Quantum foam something. No. Fill in the blank. <laughs> no. I, I, I had a discussion about uh, quantum theory and how it actually applies to time travel with someone recently. And it's, there's, Quantum Leap has done terrible things to our understanding of... Uh, <laughs> Of what the word quantum means. If I, uh, since we're going to be going into marketing in a few moments, let me, let me give you an example. Okay. Uh, the, cru- the cruise, the cruise line Royal Caribbeans has a put out a, a boat. One of their new newer boats is called the Quantum of the Seas because the word quantum sounds cool. And one of their taglines was that it is a quantum leap in a, in a cruising technology. Now, one of the things that you need to understand when you're talking about quantum. 
a quanta is literally the smallest iteration of something. So if you're looking at quantum things, you're basically looking at small things. That's the whole point. So right. a quantum leap in technology is literally the smallest leap you can make in technology. It's uh, going from a salt shaker with five holes to a salt shaker with six holes. It is not impressive. It is the <laughs> opposite of impressive. So thanks for sharing. Yeah, no, it's look sci-fi writing, right? Exactly. So marketing, Paul, you and I are approaching a uh, we're we're approaching a milestone, an important point in our publishing lives where the books that we're working on will no longer be in development and production. They will be in print. Yes. Which means that our personal responsibility towards ourselves, towards our book, and towards our publisher and our right and our readers changes. We are no longer in the business of making the best product possible because that time has passed. That boat has sailed. We are now in the process. Our responsibility becomes getting that book to as many interested readers as possible. See, now you're and causing anxiety for me now. <laughs> I'm I, just kidding. <laughs> sort of. Sort of. <laughs> yeah. So you're right. But, um, the time, I mean, you're absolutely right. And we're moving on to the next stage here Very for you very soon, for me in about another month or so. So um, I don't know what I'm doing here. I have no clue. I mean, I can't even pretend that I'm uh, that I know how to do that. I mean, you're you have some skills that I don't possess because of your, you know, your background. You know, so I am definitely here to learn from your wisdom. Oh, great one! <laughs> wow, you're going to be disappointed. Oh well, no! Don't do that. <laughs> A huge reason why I'm reason where you turn it off, ladies and gentlemen, just turn it Mm -hmm. off. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Well, one of the reasons why I'm bringing this up is that the uh, in in the coming weeks, the uh, basically our our usual beginning banter when we talk about where our books are at is going to change because our banter is going to be about the marketing thing. I thought we could kick it off right now by first. First of all, I need to confess I work in marketing and I am very good at uh, helping others market their products. I am, when it comes to promoting one of my friends' projects and promoting one of my friends' products, I have great ideas and I come up with all the cool stuff. When it comes to my own stuff, I can't do anything. For some reason, there's a lack of imagination or maybe it's uh, it's anxiety about the product itself, lack of self-confidence. I have a lot of difficulty going to someone or taking something that I made and saying, this is awesome and it, sh- it should be bought. It should be purchased and distributed and, and spread far and wide. It's hard to do. That's a hard thing to do, you know? So the exercise that we're going to do is we're going to try to take a step back from from our books and try to look at them. And this, this is why I want to do this with you, because I will tell you, give you tips on how I think you should probably, I'm not saying I'm going to do this now, like we're obviously going to discuss a couple of things right now, but in, in the next few weeks, I'm going to say, you should do this with Ageless, and you're going to tell me you should do this with Life Engineered and with A God in the Shed to try to get new markets. 
And okay. since I can't market my own things, I'm going to try to market yours. Oh, thanks. But I ask that in return, you help me with mine. I will help you, but I, you did hear ex- exactly what I said a few minutes ago about how I have no, no idea. absolutely. <laughs> okay. So I will do but my best. You, but, but therein lies the genius in my plan. Okay. See, where I can say, where I can maybe help point out places that you can find new markets and ways that you can develop new a new audience, you can use these same tricks Give them, uh, give them a twist that would work probably better for my book and then shoot them right back at me. There you go. That's a good idea. I like this. I like where this is going. And for the, those of you playing along at home, we will definitely take all your tips and steal, borrow them and use them. Well, absolutely. Like the, the idea of this show, I mean, we could have this discussion offline. Oh, yeah. The idea of the show is that we're having this discussion live where people can listen to it contribute, learn from each other. Because, I mean, this is something I keep saying. We're all in this together. The rising tide lifts all boats. If It's getting to be a broken record now, JF. No, I'm just it kidding, is, buddy. <laughs> it is, but it's, no, I'm it's just super kidding. important that people understand that. I totally because, agree. Because when it comes to, 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 to creating a, a working ecosystem with ink shares to sell books, we need as to bring in as many people. And this is why... The whole idea, like right now, if I look at a God in the Shed or even Life Engineered, whenever I get a new sale, it's always someone I don't know. Like obviously when there's a contest, I'll get a few more sales from people who are just coming in from InkShares because they're new writers and they're browsing books and they, they find my book and they pre-order it. I'm sure you see the same thing. Yeah, I do. And it's the same thing like they'll, they'll see the Life Engineered or they'll see a God in the Shed and they'll pre-order a copy. But the idea is like for a God in the Shed, I still need roughly 300 new readers. And to get those 300 new readers, I cannot depend on the trickle-in factor. I need to find new groups of people. And probably the same thing for the Life Engineered. I want to get new people to that... Not not because I want to force feed them my book, but I want people who will like this book to be able to find it. Right. You kind of want the book to, I mean, you want the book to land in the market that it needs to be. Uh, you know, for example, like we could, okay, we could be pushing to the wrong crowd, you know, the wrong, the, the wrong reader, you know? So, I mean, mm-hmm. that, I, I see where you're going. That's what I, I'm just. And it, it's, it's, it's worth mentioning that if, uh, I'm going to say, I could go around and twist people's arms to pre-order Life Engineered. And they would pre-order it, possibly, and they would read it. And if I've twisted the wrong arms of the wrong people and they read Life Engineered and they don't like it, and they've spent money on it mm-hmm. and time reading it, they may give it a negative review, which will later cost me another 10 sales of people that would have bought otherwise. Right. Which is super important not to do. Because yeah. that one sale is not worth it. It's not worth getting that my book into that one pair of wrong hands just to get that one sale if it's going to eventually get, get me a two-star review. So, but the point is, the biggest problem I'm encountering right now, and this is, this is where I need help, is finding new markets. Where are the people who want to read about robots? Now, I've been sort of thinking about where are the people who want to read about Ageless, and I'm hoping that by next week, I'll be able to come up with ideas of where I can send you to do some uh, advertising of your own. Okay. I'm just jotting this down. 
a little sorry i know that's really interesting for a podcast you know you're right hey you're writing on this thing that we're supposed to listen to well it's called right brain exactly uh i just i'm writing it down just so i don't forget that's all um because you know i keep some you know i keep some show notes as the show's going on and uh so i just want to make sure that i understand what you are um saying so I don't forget about it, but no, I totally, Absolutely. I totally get what I totally get what you mean. So, um, uh, I I think that you, uh, I think that you made an imp- important point though. Like it's it's we we need to figure out the the right approach, the right way to get into these uh, get to these readers, and, you know, because you know there are lots of people out there who love to read and I, I, I totally feel you with 300 more um, readers for uh, God in the shed, which by the way is fantastic. You guys should go read it if you have not, or listen to that crazy audio thing that, you know, somebody did, but uh, it, it was pretty, it was pretty okay. It was, it wasn't too bad for, you know, for, you know, basically a, a can and a string, you know? <laughs> so, uh, well, I don't, I don't, again, I'm kind of left. I'm, I'm not, but here's the thing, like you're mistaking me for someone who's asking for immediate answers. I'm just, oh, no, I know. Right I, now, all I'm doing is setting the table. But bef- before we go, like, because the, the, getting new markets, getting new groups of people, because obviously when we do your, when we do our campaign, we essentially, we're towing around with basically three groups of people. We're going to our friends and families who don't exactly care what we wrote, but they'll pre-order it. They'll give it a good review and they're doing it to encourage us. Yeah. Then we have whatever uh, relevant circle of acquaintances we've already built that we go to and people that, because I mean, I write science fiction, so obviously I must like science fiction. And if I like science fiction, there's a good chance I hang around with other people and in online communities that enjoy science fiction. So this is my second group that I go to and say, hey guys, I wrote a thing. It's science fiction. We all like science fiction. How about you encourage me? So that's my second group. The third group of people that's kind of like the the low-hanging fruits is anything that trickles down from the first two. Basically asking friends and family and asking these other acquaintances, do you guys, can you guys share on your social media? Can you guys, if you guys know someone who would be interested, please make the uh, make the information trickle down so these are kind of like your basic immediate markets right the that makes a lot of sky sense. like exactly the, the the blue sky dream of expanding beyond that because you eventually you reach a kind of a ceiling you reach a point where you've gotten as many favors from as many people within those circles as possible so what you're looking to do is reach these new markets i keep talking about these other communities I have not talked to, these other people that might enjoy my book. And what's interesting, I got a yesterday, I got an email from Matthew Sobin. Uh, I'm, I'm pronouncing his name in French for some reason, but uh, Matthew Sobin, um, who is, he's, he's the writer of The Last Machine in Solar System, who is a contestant in the current Solar Laser uh, contest. And he was asking me for advice, which is humbling and weird because I, I mean, he's not the first to ask me advice on things. And it's always bizarre because I feel like I kind of stumbled 
ass backward into my situation for, <laughs> for publishing. So I try to give advice. And one of the advices I was advice I was kind of surprised to find myself giving is while looking for new markets to look for that unintentional one, that that weird off the wall, bizarre market that's you didn't intend to. And the example I gave him, Life Engineered, when I did my initial market research amongst the people who had bought it from, uh, well, gotten it for free from Amazon, mm-hmm. led me to see that it was mostly appreciated by women in their mid-30s, which for science fiction is not super usual. It doesn't seem and, very usual. But, you know, and, hey, changing world, right? The yeah, but always uh, ab- absolutely, and I'm super glad for it. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not dissing. I'm, I'm, I'm actually very happy about this. And on in hindsight, it makes sense because the life engineer has some very heavy, very, uh, very deep motherhood allegories in it. Mm-hmm. Like everything about what motivates most of the main characters has to do with their relationship, where their creators artificial, and the entire theme of the entire book is a race of robots dealing with the legacy of their human parents, if you will. Right. So there is a certain. There is a certain aspect to the book that I think can be understood better by women of that age than I can even understand it myself, which is weird to say. But that being said, what what that made me realize is, oh, this is a market that is not wasn't intentional of me. Like I wrote for science fiction fans, not for specifically female science fiction. Because like I said, I don't write for market. I write whatever I want to write and I'm hoping it'll find its level. Right. But being able to find these these groups of people that aren't necessarily default sci-fi writers, uh, readers, and sort of sell them the book, and I use sell them like with with quotation marks, but um, give them the book not on the sci-fi element, not because they like robots, but because of that other factor is both good for the genre and is also, it, it allows you to get in touch with a, a, a group of potential readers that are, they're not inundated with science fiction in my case. Basically, if, if I'm, if I'm talking, cause one of the things I started doing is start, start talking to some of my friends who, who, who are mothers and who have read the book and they like the book. And I asked them like, what, what did you like about it? If you're not a science fiction fan, why did you find it so compelling? And they're telling me and basically reaching people who will like the book, not for its science fiction aspects, but for the other aspects that are part of the story. The same way a lot of people will love Game of Thrones because of the sort of you know violent soap opera of it like they don't care if there's dragons or not they don't care if there's magic or not they want to know what's happening with these different clans right and they want to know what's happening with these different different characters like you could take out all the fantasy and you would still have a compelling story and that's what's attracting these non-fantasy fans so and so that's that's what I'm I'm finding is interesting when I say getting new markets. It's not just finding new uh, new veins of science fiction fans, but finding these things in the book itself that could reach different people who aren't necessarily science fiction fans. Uh, I mean, 
is what so what advice did you end up giving i mean that was that all that you said to him or was that the most important thing <laughs> no i rambled on for several hundred words oh yeah and it was a very very long reply I, i'm hoping he can distill something that'll help him i'm not sure <laughs> i look i i gave him everything i thought might be interesting yeah as far as advice but and i tr- basically i tried to come at his question in a the same way i would come at a client who would ask right. me how to better promote That's something a good idea. and Unfortunately, one of the problems is I don't know his product that well. And one of the first things I do as, as when I work in graphic design or in marketing is I need to understand who you are as a client. I need to understand your product. Right. If I don't understand what you're selling, I can't sell it. I can't help you sell it. So very, very much giving him, I gave him some very broad strokes, but yeah. generally speaking, that's what we're going to be talking about anyways. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I wish I had more to contribute, but you know what? I do have a little bit to contribute because uh, earlier we brought up the um, what I'm doing on social media right now is uh, the the quote. I'm I'm posting a quote. I, I'm going Absolutely. to. I, I wanted to sort of close on that. Oh yeah, do like, it. Go for it. Well, no, I oh I wanted close to on ask this. You, I like, got you. I got you. Basically, what what you were doing with that? What words your your impetus and sort of a finish with one or two low hanging fruits like babe. Exactly, like the social media thing. So go ahead, tell tell me what your what your plan is with that. Uh, well, currently the plan is to try to post, um, try to post one every day, and that's pretty ambitious because uh, I was looking at how many days I have until the actual production um, uh, to the publication date. Sorry, um, and there's about a hundred and nineteen or so, and uh, that's going to be a lot of quotes from the book. So. I don't know if it'll happen every day, but definitely if I start slacking off, it's going to happen at least once a week, I think. But the uh, the idea behind it is ultimately I'd like to see everyone sharing these with their social media, you know. So um, sometimes like on Twitter, I might um, do the hashtag retweet and um, hashtag trying to hashtag these things so it can get out there into a, a broader audience too because, you know, People search for hashtags, which is something that I've never really done too much, maybe a couple of times, but not too often. Um, so the idea is maybe we can, I can just kind of get it out there to people who don't know about it. That's, that's the idea. So really maybe I should take the John Robin approach and just start tagging um, followers in every, you know, and po- posting it several times and tagging a bunch of different people. Because if you do, uh, I I have found anyway um, from what what he has uh, done in the past. If you do that, you may get a lot more shares or or retweets or or you know stuff like that. Because I'm not necessarily uh, the people who follow me um, on any of the social media. They probably have a good idea of what's going on. I'm wanting them to kind of share it and and mm-hmm. expose their people to it. You know what I mean? Which so it's Absolutely. kind of experimental, but I, I I've seen um, other authors do this in the past. Not a lot though, but you know sometimes. So uh, that was kind of the idea behind it. And I like to um, you know maybe get some people interested because there are some people who have ordered my book and don't have any clue what it is. You know maybe they could you know like I'm saying like that that first group you know your close knit people who you can count on a pre order for because they want to support you. So maybe it'll mm-hmm. it'll wake them up and they're like, oh, wow, this actually seems like it's going to be pretty decent. So that's kind of the idea. 
Um, I, uh, well, I, when I first started uh, thinking about it, it was actually um, back in December. And I was like, you know what? I think I want to do something like that. Uh, and then I was like trying to do some research about how I could make them look visually appealing as well. And uh, I came across a bunch of apps on, on, my, uh, on my iPhone and uh, decided to settle on the free app just so I could test it out, see how it goes and, and what happens. But um, I could upgrade, and there are plenty of different ones that you could purchase or, or the couple of free ones that you could use and uh, you know different templates and et cetera, et cetera. And the, the thing that I find interesting is I can actually add my own pictures to the backgrounds, which I think I'll start doing sometime soon, but I got to figure out what pictures to go with it. You know what I mean? Like, for example, I saw one, uh, just a random one that said something about, uh, uh, it was about music. And then it had a little kid in the background holding a musical instrument. And I don't know why, but like those two, the visual and the um, the words put together seemed a little more powerful than just maybe the words. So again, it's not appeal. It may not appeal to everybody, but I'm trying it out because I want to see what I can see what I can do to, you know, kind of boost it because it's like you said, right now on Inkshares, it's kind of a, a trickle and it's like a, these people are um, maybe new to Inkshares because of the, the latest contest. And um, I want to try to make this trickle a little bit more steady, you know? So that's kind of where I'm at with that idea. And you're feel, feel free anyone to, you know, do the same thing. It sounds good. I've um, we're we're coming up on an hour already. So, yeah. but you'll you'll be glad to know that just just what you were talking about has given me an idea for start trying something I want to try out. So, what I'm going to do is over the the coming week before our next show, I'm going to try out a couple of things based on that. All right, and I will be able to report on whether or not. Not necessarily if it generates sales or not, but whether or not it it generates interest. Yes, and, and that's what's from important. that point I'll I'll meet up. I'll, I'll I'll move it. That sounds good. So, um, well, I think that because uh, we are just over an hour now, uh, I think that's probably going to do it for this week. You think? That sounds good to me. Um, JF, where can these people see your online presence? My online presence is mostly found on my website, jfdubo.com. That's jfdubeau.com. Or they can also find me on Twitter at jfdubo. How about you, Paul? Where can people find you? Um, my, my online presence is also at my website, www.paulinmansc.com. That is P-A-U-L-I-N-M-A-N-S-C.com. Or you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Paul Inman SC, P A U L I N M A N S C, Twitter or Instagram. And if you want to, I have a Facebook page for like a, um, a Facebook group page or whatever for Ageless, Ageless by Paul Inman. If you wanted to look that up. And uh, real quick, that, that actually reminded me. Um, JF, I don't know, mm-hmm. but have you realized that Facebook is changing the way that they're doing their um, their like pages or their group pages or whatever they're called? Um, it's no longer going to be in your feed. Yes. Interesting. Yes. So basically they're telling you if you want to advertise your like, your your group page or your like page or whatever it is, you must pay now. So I thought that was kind of kind of disheartening because that's one thing I thought was kind of interesting about Facebook. But it 
Like it is, but at the, but at the same time, it's I I don't think that for people and you like you and me, it's going to be a big deal because our relationship that we can talk about next week, our relationship with our readers and 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 uh, and I say potential readers is depends a lot more on a closer relationship than just a like. Right. So I don't, I, I honestly, I don't think it's going to be like, it's going to be maybe a bit detrimental, but we'll, the, the workaround that we'll find is to have a closer relationship with our, our customers and our readers, which in the end, like in the long term, I think is going to be beneficial. It will definitely be beneficial. I agree. Um, I just think it's sad. Like if you posted something on the ageless page, it wouldn't show up for your, um, as part of the feed from you to your friends. Does that make sense? So yeah, no, no, I completely. That, understand. It's just losing an avenue. It disheartens me a little bit, but it is what it is. And uh, I have not paid to advertise on Facebook. And depending, you know, depending on if I feel the need to, I might, but I might not. So um, thanks for tuning in this week and we are thankful for you and hope that you're having a fantastic new year so far just like we are jf anything else close it out no i'm good i'm just i'm now i'm really excited about that idea i had and i'm hoping that it's uh it, it turns out to be something cool it's gonna be cool to do regardless so i'm gonna get right on that awesome so i'll see you next week 